You're listening to Autumn Crest on the Air, a podcast for the Autumn Crest Ward of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, created to help ward members get to know each other better. The majority of persons interviewed were chosen through a random selection tool in Excel. All right, so I'm in the front room of Michael and Cheryl Hanley. Thanks for letting me do this, even though I'm going to start off by saying Michael said he wasn't dressed for this and, <laughs> and that uh, he wasn't sure. It was a very safe way. So um, tell me what, where you guys are from initially. Initially, mm-hmm. I lived in Spokane since 1966 in the Spokane Valley. Um, my family homesteaded in Otis Orchards. Um, I've got family that moved up from Montana to Orient and Kettle Falls and Colville. So I have a group of relatives up in that area, some cousins there, but pretty much Spokane Valley. You feel very much at home here. How about you, Cheryl? Are you from here? Um, pretty much. I, I was born in Alaska. My parents lived up there. And um, but moved down here in 68-ish when I was about five, five or so. And you say moved down here, Spokane to Valley? To Spokane, yes. Yeah. So which high school did you go to? University High School. University High School. Home of the Titans. Go, go Titans, okay. And, and you were in Spokane, what high school did you go to? CV Bears. You went... The best high school. Oh, that's so yeah. fun. So you guys met, when did you meet? How old <laughs> we met. Nothing to do with yeah, high we school. met. We were young adults. Uh, he was just home from his mission. I was home from school, from BYU. Okay, and then it wasn't. It wasn't too bad when you found out which high school you went to. Was, you were over it by then. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Maybe it's still an issue. That's fun. <laughs> so that's great. And um, where'd you serve your mission? Louisiana Baton Rouge, and then halfway through my mission, they switched me from English to Spanish. Which one did you enjoy more? Or oh, is it Spanish? Really, I love the Spanish people. They are so cool, so awesome. Just big, big hearts. Mm-hmm. Especially the ones that were um, fresh from the country. Um, I served during. Um, a time when the uh, Sandinistas, the communists, mm-hmm. um, more or less invaded Nicaragua and started from there to try to branch out. So we had a lot of um, refugees come into New Orleans at that time. And so um, they were very humble mm-hmm. and friendly and wonderful people. The Americanized Spanish were a little bit more aloof. Yeah. He also got mm-hmm. caught in that 18-month mission period where he didn't get a choice but had to come home at 18 months. I was called for 24 and they brought me home at 18. Yeah. It didn't. It only lasted. A couple, three, four but, years. Yeah. yeah. And then they went back to the two-year missions. But. Okay. And you went to BYU. Provo. What did you study there? <laughs> Um, I was, you know, I was just in my first couple of years, so I was just doing general mm-hmm. things. I hadn't really decided what I wanted to do. And that's when you met? I, no. Well, you met We after. met here in Spokane. We met here in Spokane. Yeah, and after you had finished school. 
No. After you were done with school, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just during a break. During oh, you were here on break. a summer break from yes. school. Yes. She was working for the same lady I had worked for before my mission and then came home. And after my mission, it was a dance studio. And I was doing stuff for the dance studio. Okay. What, I, what were you doing for the dance studio? You're not going to get out of that one. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, goodness. A lot of people know this already, but okay. I danced ballet. Okay. And he taught gymnastics. Gymnastics, class. sports gym. Um, I still know some of my students that are in the area. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he I, did remodeling and that kind of stuff for the studio yeah. also. So maybe I just know, because we've talked before, <clears throat> that you have enjoyed as, as a martial art. Is that is that okay to yeah. ask about? Yeah. Yeah, I got um, a black belt in judo. I was a brown belt at 13 years old. Uh-huh. I participated <clears throat> in the high school national championships at 15 and got thumped. Um, I was underweight for everything that I went into. High school national championships, where was that? It was in Seattle at that mm-hmm. time. Um, and then um, work and stuff, I Crazy. dabbled in it. A little bit. Um, I'd tell stories to my kids and my wife, and they wouldn't believe me. And then we went and visited a judo tournament out at Eastern, and the head of the tournament walked up to me and said, Aren't you Michael Hanley? And then credibility came back into my life. And yes. so, and then we went, I took my kids, and I was still a brown belt. I took uh, my kids and did some judo, and then um, when I was about, I don't know, 55 or something like that, one of the, uh, our resident fourth degree black belt was watching me um, take on this 27 year old MAA wrestler who was like 6'2", 230 pounds. And I said, okay, this is how you do this. And I kept throwing him. And he saw what was happening there, and then he said, we got to get you your black belt, because I was trying to teach the guy to not let me throw him. Mm-hmm. After that class, the guy said, there has been nobody who could do that to me ever. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like there's some overlap between ballet and judo and martial arts? <clears throat> or, no. the, or would you say those are separate for you? No. Um, sports... Physical activity, I also taught and participated in gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Um, the judo gave me balance and awareness of where my body was all the time and speed and quickness. I'm able to make those decisions as reflexes and work them into the gray matter at that point. Um, and all of that allowed me to um, do better at everything. I did, every sport. Um, judo, gymnastics, ballet, all of that kind of basic stuff helped me with all the regular other sports. Um, at the time, my, Lynn Swan, who was a famous wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, yeah, um, he took ballet. And at another time, the wide receivers at BYU were, had a mandatory ballet class to help with their footwork. I've heard this before, that football, especially, that might be really athletic, but maybe not as coordinated. Yeah. That would be a, 
and so being able to move your feet and get them where your balance is, it was very difficult for people, even when I was in judo, people would say, well, you, they couldn't move me like they thought they should be able to because I had distributed my mm -hmm. weight in such a way that made it really difficult. Did you find, did you find that during either judo or ballet or any of your sports that you would, that that would connect you to the Holy Ghost? Or have those, is that a stretch? And to be fair, I, I don't know that when I play sports, I wasn't I feel a member of the church at that time. Okay. So I really didn't have an idea of the Holy Ghost um, other than there, you know, Jesus and I guess the Spirit's always been an influence in my life. Mm hmm um, I just didn't know really how to define it until I was about 19. Yeah, if you're not looking for it. So how old were you when you served your mission? I was 21 when I went out. Ah, I was baptized at 19. Baptized at 19. Um, I was baptized at 18. Maybe. Cool. Yeah. Um, where, gosh, to ask you your conversion story is probably a little much for a... But for can a you give me a, a few... What led to that? Did you know people who were members or... Um, uh, there's a gentleman that worked with my wife named Don Clifton. He's in the other stake right now. A lot of people know him. You mean worked with your mother? Or worked with my mother. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, he and uh, um, Deborah White's father came over to the house one time and taught us the discussions. That's when there were still 70s. Okay. And they were teaching your parents. I mean, they were teaching they were your teaching whole family. Mom. No, they were teaching us. Yeah, my my mom and my. How did your family his, know his them? His grandparents were members of the church. That's true. That's what one of the things that helped. One of his uncles say yes. His uncle Wayne, in this ward, married uh -huh. Carlene, who was a member of the church. Wayne Henderson. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Married okay. Carlene. My uncle Wayne. Carlene okay. was a member of the church, so through them, his parents, you know, uh -huh. his grand, Michael's grandparents mm -hmm. got the missionaries. They then sent the missionaries to Michael's mother. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a... Yeah, Did you receive them? With Gary, with Gary Borders, President Borders. Yeah. Well, and, you, and it was standard discussions then. Yep. It was the... Yeah. And, and it just, it just resonated with you? I mean, you just... Well, were you looking at the time for sort of a relationship no, no, no. with Hiram? Um, I'll, I'll give you the quick version of what really happened. They asked me to read the Book of Mormon one week, and I said I would. And I always thought honor was important, so I did. I read I, Nephi, having goodly parents, therefore I was taught, blah, 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 read the first page. And I, they taught me how to pray, and I prayed about it, and I didn't feel anything. And so the next week when they came back, they said, uh, did you read the Book of Mormon? And I said, yes. Did you pray about it? And I said, yes. Did you feel anything? No. And so they asked me to do it again. The second week, and the second week was much like the first week. Same, same answers to the same questions. <clears throat> Before the third week, Elder Vincent went to um, Moroni chapter 10, and he read verses 3 through 5, all of them. And when it got to the part 
in those verses where it said, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. That was the first time I felt the Spirit. And then I said to myself at that point, if Heavenly Father is real, and if he has a purpose for me, and if he wants me to join the church, then I should be able to pray with real intent. And that I did, and that was good. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure that's summing up in a few minutes of, you know, much more that happened. I like how you shared that because I think there's probably a lot of people even in our word who are actively attending church, but maybe not um, giving as much of their attention to the Book of Mormon as, as we could be. And I mean, in yours, it was pretty straightforward. A youth in our previous ward in Ohio was trying to talk to his friends. He's a high school kid. And he finally, I overheard him say, look, read the Book of Mormon. You'll be converted. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> I thought that was such a catchy... And I think for all of us, it's, I mean, that's a good, yeah, your experiences. It almost happened without, I mean, you weren't looking. It was almost like it just, yeah, so there's yeah, power. Yeah, it uh, changed, obviously, it changed my life. I mean, you were on a mission a year later. I mean, you two know, years later. Yeah, yeah, two years later on a mission, and obviously. So. They were okay. teaching him and his sister and his mother, and he was the only one that was baptized. Okay. At that time, yeah. Yeah, so they didn't Mom have. and Sabrina later. Later on. Many, many years later. So Cheryl, for your... So did you guys start having children right away? Mm-hmm. And how many kids did you have? We have five. Five. And Danica, we know... Is our fourth. Well, other people listening know your other children? Yeah. yeah. Are they... Well, I know them. <laughs> you might. <laughs> Probably not. I okay. mean, some of them are here in the stake. Some are here in the stake. But uh, our oldest, Jay, and his wife and four kids live in the Adams Ward. Okay. And then um, our second son, Bran, lives in the Bella Vista ward mm-hmm. with his two kids and wife. And then um, our daughter, Justine, I'm not sure what ward she's in. Mm-hmm. Um, she lives over off of Pines and Forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Bowdish and Forth. And then Danica here in our ward, and there are four kids. And then our youngest, Jordan, <coughs> lives in the is it called South Central area? Well, yeah, but Spokane State. In the Spokane, Spokane State. Ward. So you have been able to have your posterity within driving distance, in some cases walking distance. That's like a dream come true, I imagine. Yeah. Five, five kids, kids, 17 grandchildren, all live right here in Spokane. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> that, yeah. And it's sad. We, we don't get to travel anywhere to visit. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> No reason to have an RV kind of thing. Um, unless you're taking them to... Yeah, exactly. Somewhere. We've done that. Uh, yeah. So the majority of your... Did you work outside the home? No. So the majority of your... Inside the home. Oh, yeah. That's why I say work outside. I know it's work. Yeah. So you were a mom, and and did you like that, or did you... Yes. Yeah. I like that. What do you miss the most? The thing I miss the most is... Believe it or not, teenagers, I, they are so busy and so many activities. And I mean, it was, 
it was jumping from one thing to another to another. We would have to divide up the family between me and Michael and my parents so we could hit all the basketball games or softball games or whatever was going on at the same time. But like, you take Bryn, you take Jay, I'll go to Justine's volleyball game. We'll, you know, we lived in our van with, you know, ice chests in the back with food, you know, that kind of stuff. That was a lot of fun for me. I enjoyed, yeah. you know, that. You just liked watching yeah. your People kids complain develop. about their teenagers, but no, mine were great. That's great to hear. Yeah, I remember people saying that too when you started having wait till they're teenagers, and I've that's kind of been our experience as well. We've enjoying them as much as any age. So, um, will you um, tell us about your professional life? <clears throat> well, shortly. <clears throat> shortly, it's not short. Um, I guess I managed the dance studio when Lynn went down to BYU to teach football players. Okay. Uh, ballet. Um, I did that for a few years. Um, before that, you know, that was right after my mission. And then I went into the military for two years. And then I got out of the military, went to the National Guard, and I stayed in the National Guard for part-time mm -hmm. until I retired with a military retirement. And then I went into, when I got out of the military, I went into the um, computer <clears throat> world. At the time, the internet was just blossoming, just starting to do things on the internet. You could go places. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so I worked with Mosaic and some of those things and put networks together and servers and all of that stuff. And eventually, um, I ended up working at, uh, after being a consultant in the year 2000, I started work at Avista. And I built their server farm from 20 servers to over 1,500 servers. And for the nerds When you out say there, built, physically built? Physically designed, architect, the whole thing. Okay. I had a small team. Okay. And yeah, we, we put it all together. Most of it, the 1,500 were virtual servers. And if anybody wants to get geeky, I could tell them I did that. Okay. <laughs> but... Uh, and then um, was asked by other storage companies and, and Hewlett Packard and NetApp to consult with them on what they should do with some of their product and stuff of that nature. Then I retired from Avista. Um, I retired a few years earlier from the military. I was doing the same basic thing in the material. I retired as a chief master sergeant in E9. And so. Um, then I went to, uh, um, I built a house for my son Jay, um, and then I got my general contracting license and built another house over in Timberlane, or up above in Timberlane, um, and then... Uh, he'd already, when he built the house for Jay, he had already built this home. Well, I built and this home a, and a couple other homes. In, uh, I, had, I learned to frame from Dave Bowers, the finer points of framing, when he built my first big home uh -huh. out of Newman Lake. And you, and that was not a job for you. No, that, no, was, that yeah, was a hobby. That's a, yeah, building house a hobby. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that was a hobby. So I did a lot of that and like to learn that kind of stuff. Um, I didn't do boats or 
um, any of that kind of thing. Go skiing like other people. Mm -hmm. So I just build stuff. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we got into this. Uh, and so I built another house for bread. And then my wife. Can I say You're that? trying to decide. <laughs> I can edit it out afterwards, but okay. you might as well. <laughs> My wife got bored. Okay. I'm building Brent's house. I'm pretty busy. COVID hit, which didn't bother me because I just go to Brent's house and build. Yeah, right. he was, you know, he was a bishop at the time. He was building a second, uh, another home for one of our kids. And, but when... Singles word bishop. Yeah. yeah. When COVID came... It shut everything down that I was used to doing. Okay. Because I would get up and go to the gym. I would take care of my grandkids. I would um, go to the temple at least twice a week. And all of a sudden, nothing. I couldn't even see the grandkids because I live with my elderly parents. And that was before the vaccinations. So it was, it was torturous. I could only clean the house so often and so opportunity arose and I thought oh this will be a nice little part-time gig we can work together what opportunity we purchased a mission tortilla route distribution I don't know what that is you know you know what mission tortillas are uh -uh. oh the tortillas yeah the the yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah 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 um anyway so we purchased that and a route? Yes, so we own we, the distribution we, route. We own the distribution route to a geographical area. And you're distributing mostly to stores? Yeah, yes. we're okay. distributing to Safeways, Walmarts, Yolks, okay. yeah. Harvest Foods. So it was supposed to be a little, little like little, maybe three day a week part time. Just a little kind of side thing, hustle to fill the time. It yeah. turned into. Yeah, to do it right, it took. We're still three days, but it's very long days. Yeah, uh -huh. it's. It, You're doing that now. Yeah. Okay. What does that look sell. like? You wake up in the morning. You. Yeah, we just wake up at five a.m. Uh huh. Um, on the road by seven or by five twenty. And this is you two together in this car that I see out front. Well, we used to be until my wife abandoned me. I, was, to the truck. I started driving my own car because that truck is too bouncy and I get too car bouncy. sick. Yeah. Sure. Okay, so you're up, you're out the door, and you're going to pick up, I gather. No, we already product. picked it up. You've already picked just, it up. The first thing we do is we go to Cheney and hit the Safeway in Cheney, mm -hmm. do stores in Cheney, and then we go to Airway Heights and do a couple stores in Airway Heights. And you're and dropping we, off product. Yeah, and merchandising. And then, mm -hmm. then we come home and collapse for a few hours. <laughs> and then if we are, got enough energy, we end up going to the warehouse to... <laughs> load tortillas onto the truck for the yep. next day. And the next chips. Day. So we it started out five days a week, but you know, as we've worked it and figured out the best way to do things, we've cut it down to uh -huh. three days a week. But it's it's exhausting, you know, for people our age. Sure. <laughs> and uh, but it's uh, we're yeah. But you're together during the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you get, to, you get to be together. Okay, and so that, so did you, after your other kids left the house and before the tortilla side hustle. I like the way you put that. What did you, what, what did you do with your time then? 
Same, that was that was it. Gym, grandkids. Yeah. So you've just really been enjoying. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, there's it's. My it's my kids are, they're. How do I say this? Things have changed since I raised my children. You know, I was privileged to be able to stay home and raise my kids. I didn't have to go out and get a job. You know, a lot of my kids either have chosen to work or have to work out of necessity. And so a lot of my time was spent, can you pick so-and-so up from daycare? Can you take so-and-so to the doctor? Can you go grab, you know, can you cover this, cover that, cover that? For sure. And I mean, it was, it's, it was an everyday, you know, type of thing. So. Okay. Cheryl, can you share with us in your um, adult life, what do you feel like nurtured your testimony the most? Um, nurturing my testimony, I would say probably, um, probably the, um, I want to call them the blessings that Heavenly Father has sent our way. Um, that, you know, challenges that we have had to go through and the learning process of those challenges. Because when you have challenges, you, I think most of the time, you know, for me, go straight to the Lord and um, ask, you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to learn? You know, what process do you have for me for my growth? And um, so that, I think, overall has made my testimony grow. Um, I, as far as, you know, feeling his spirit or comfort, for me, a lot of that comes um, from temple attendance. Mm-hmm. being there and just feel there have been some periods in my life um, that have lasted you know a year or more and um, that I don't know had I not been able to spend the amount of time that I did in the temple you know it was a it was a renewal each time I was able to go and not think of the mm-hmm. things that were going on in my life you know that I was able to just feel the spirit and focus on the Heavenly Father and how much he loved me and what I needed to learn there. I have not heard that answer before. What nurtured your testimony most being challenges? And I like what you said about specifically the way you responded to the challenges. Because I think the challenges could have taken you out of the direction, right? They could have made you leave faith. But in this case, you, the challenges brought you to the Lord. And I guess in that way, like you say, challenges could be a, a blessing we, to be viewed that way. We've had a lot of challenges in a relatively short period of time. And when they come like that, you know, back to back to back, you have to kind of stand back and go, what's happening? And uh, not necessarily why is it happening, but what do we what am I supposed to be learning from this and how is Heavenly Father refining me 
and helping me grow to become more like him through those things. And, and in that way, you're able to look at them as blessings um, that he has <clears throat> um, enough trust in us to give us those things so that we can have that growth. So hard in the moment. Oh yeah, you don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want anybody else to go through it either. But, you know, we we have learned, you know, there are periods where we've gone, okay, well, whew, what's next? <laughs> what's coming? You know, because sure. it's, it can be hard. <clears throat> so, um, if I, if you could give a message to your posterity a hundred years from now that they would listen to in the future, what would you tell them? <laughs> um, learn to talk to the Lord and receive promptings and have the courage to follow those promptings. Communicating with the Lord takes practice. It's like learning a foreign language. It's not something that's just proof. It just comes to be. It takes a little bit of work. But with faith, diligence, and a lot of practice, you can experience what the Lord you can see the miracles that happen in people's lives, in, in their everyday lives, and know that the Lord is in control. I could go into a lot of detail, but that's been, that, that would be the message. To trust the Lord and follow those promptings the second, and almost as important, is to listen to and follow the counsel of the President of the Church and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. We can make a lot of decisions in our life, and I learned this when I was baptized, that Shortly after that, I had a trial of faith, and I could go into a lot more detail. But you can read things, and you can hear things that contradict and conflict and sow chaos in your life. And the one source of truth, the one source of peace, is Heavenly Father. He is the source. And... When I prayed about the church and received an answer, all the other stuff that they tried, you know, anti-Mormon stuff or questions or why this or why that kind of melted away into, okay, why does this work? But this was the truth. This prayer, this answer, this source of information that I got from the Lord, that peace, that meant all the other stuff just kind of floats away. And so 
it's not a hard decision. We had a friend once who, um, oh, she's still a friend of my wife's, but uh, she wore like three earrings, I think, or more. Um, when the president said down to one earring. Yeah, it? President Hinckley, one pair is enough, yep. One pair is enough. Before the day was out, she took out her other earrings and just had one pair. That type of obedience to that type of direct revelation is what I would want my posterity to develop. That kind of trust. Yeah. Have the courage to follow the promptings. Have the courage to follow the prophet and apostles. Ditto. <laughs> Ditto. I was going to say if there's something you wanted to say to your grandchildren. Yeah, that's but, about it. Yeah. Learn to have a personal relationship with your Savior. You know, because you cannot go wrong if you understand who the Savior is and how, how much He loves you. Um, it takes care of multitudes of um, self-esteem issues, um, you know, all kinds of things that are, seems to me, are harder and harder as, you know, the generations go on. These kids are struggling with a lot of things and um, a personal relationship with the Lord and understanding what, how he feels about you. Well, guys, is there anything that hasn't been said about each other that should be? Have we covered it? Um, well, I told him you were going to ask something that nobody knows about. <laughs> yes, I would love. Yes. Well, you cut. You touched on that. Uh, we touched on, on a bunch of that, but uh, with the judo and the ballet. But I also was a rodeo cowboy. On the rodeo circuit. Circuit. Mm -hmm. Well, I went with my uncles. You know, my uncle Wayne was uh, probably a, a world-class team roper, a, mm -hmm. a header, and a healer. And my uncle Chris, professional, we used to roll into some team ropings and watch other people load up their horses and go out. And I heard my uncle ask, "Why are you leaving?" He says, "I don't want to donate to the Henderson Rodeo Fund." <laughs> you know, so they went home. <sighs> Because Chris and Wayne showed up. But, uh, um, no, I grew up on a ranch. And so I'm very familiar with horses and cattle. and So people that have been to rodeos want me to ask what events you did. Is that the word? Would it be events? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was a team roper. My grandmother would... The fun stuff is the bull riding. That's okay. The, you know, that's the stuff that's got... You know, that's where the heroes are, kind of. Okay. You know, the talented people rope. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> okay. The crazy people ride bulls. My grandmother wouldn't let me ride bulls. Yeah. Even though I was crazy. I had to <laughs> rope. And so, uh, but my Uncle Wayne, he was a team roper, a bulldogger, and a calf roper champion. Mm-hmm. So you got some of that. Yeah. I'm my Uncle, my you uncle Mark was a bareback rider. And my grandfather, left-handed, okay. was a left-handed header. I take care of the cemetery. The <laughs> cemetery. You do? Yeah. What do you mean take care well, of? Well, if people need to buy plots, they come to me. I, I help them purchase How are they lot. referred to you? Your number's there's, on the... Yeah, there's a number. A, I have a cemetery cell, a cell phone that they call. and I. This is a job? Another side hustle? 
I don't get well, paid we don't for get it. Paid for it. It's, it's it's a, a community job. association. So you just volunteer your time yeah. for that. Steve Ford's the um, vice president. Vice president. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, so I do that. We go out, and he's working with me to plot the, you know, get things straighten even and make a complete map because it's it's sure you know it's an old old cemetery that's mm-hmm. been there since the 1800s and i just computerized everything that we all the records that we have and anyway so that takes a bit of time depending on who wants to purchase and who's leaving this earth so yeah thank you guys yeah. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this interview and that you feel like you know this person or family a little better. We invite you to consider reaching out to share something you found interesting about them. Please subscribe to this podcast to hear more interviews.